Welcome to AV Plus, the podcast from Commercial Integrator. I'm Adam Forziati, the senior web editor here at CI. You know, they say that children are your legacy, and that's definitely true if you do have kids. But one veteran of the AV technology space recently proved that people can leave a more complicated impact on the world through science education. Bradford Ben, who's been in the industry for decades now and doesn't have any plans to retire soon, says his industry doesn't always realize that much of its technology originates from space exploration and scientific discovery. So a few years ago, he decided to name the Air and Space Museum one of his beneficiaries after his wife Jennifer. But now Bradford has gone a step further. He's signed the paperwork on his five-figure endowment fund with the museum on his 50th birthday. The Bradford R. Ben Endowment will support educational programs using AV technology, digital media, and future tech. On today's episode of AV+, our editor Craig McCormick chats with Bradford about what happens when you learn that you don't have to be dead to make an endowment, and who he is going to benefit with that money. But first, let's hear about this week's AV News to Know. AVR Information announced the launch of an AI auto-tracking distance learning camera designed specifically for the evolving K-12 distance learning classroom. The TR310 boasts advanced artificial intelligence to automatically detect the teacher's movement in the classroom that allows them to focus on delivering their curriculum instead of worrying about staying within the camera's view. Integrate Baltimore founder Ernie Beck and 50 organizations across his city are hoping to bring internet access to the thousands who not only don't have it, but also don't have devices to access the internet even if a network were nearby. You can help the organization out with a donation of money or a device by visiting digitalequalitybaltimore.com. So for more information on these stories and a full list of the latest AV products and projects, visit our website, commercialintegrator.com. Radio voice over. Let's get back to the show. joined today by Bradford Ben. You recently put together a five-figure endowment with the National Air and Space Museum, one of the Smithsonian museums. Why don't you uh, tell me kind of how this came together, what, you know, why, why this was something that was important for you? A couple years ago, probably seven or eight years ago, uh, I had to declare beneficiaries on my life insurance. And I did some looking and, you know, people go give it to charity, blah, blah, blah. So I figured out what's my favorite charity. And I thought about it for a bunch. But first thing I did is I made the Smithsonian a, the beneficiary after my wife, Jennifer, of course, of my life insurance. Just because I talked with my family. They were like, nope, that seems to make sense. Uh, so I set that up and then I started talking with them about I wanted a legacy. My AV legacy is pretty good, but I wanted to give back. I want a good legacy. Science is very important to me. So about six years ago, we started talking about what it takes to get a named endowment. And typically that happens as a result of passing, unfortunately. Uh, so, but I found out you can do it when you're alive if you have the proper funds. So about six years ago, I started saving money. Uh, you know, some people save and tithe to their favorite charities. I did the exact same and kept saving and saving and saving. Uh, and then with a combination of all the bad things happening in the world and my 50th birthday coming up, I went, this is a great goal to have done. 
And I kind of set that as the goal in February. And in February, I started saving a little more aggressively, did all that, did a little, I'll be honest, the, the severance package from Harmon accelerated this a whole bunch. Uh, so thank you. Uh, but so then I was able to not only make my annual donation to the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum, but also was then able to sign the paperwork and fund the endowment uh, in June. Uh, it fully funded on, I forget what the exact date is, but signed the paperwork on my birthday because that was important. Now, the next question probably is, why is this important? Uh, so we'll set the way back machine to when I was a young toddler. Okay, I guess six isn't quite a young toddler. Uh, I actually was at the Air and Space Museum the summer it opened in 1976. Uh, I remember the Viking landing and watching on McNeil News Hour on PBS. So I liked space. I got hooked once I went there. I've been hooked on space ever since. Uh, it was very cool. One of the things, my grandfather worked for the Army Corps of Engineers and he happened to be involved in technology. So he and I would talk a bunch about space. So it was a kind of a leap into the technology. Uh, but, you know, from there, my love of science and space has continued for, you know, 40 plus years, 44 years now. And so to me, I have seen, and I have to, I'm trying not to be political and bait anybody, which I know is odd for me, uh, but I have seen science kind of take a backseat at times of this isn't important. This isn't what's going on. You know, why do you think this? Uh, the, and this sounds funny, the fact that going to space is now routine amazes me. And I think sometimes we lose the magic of it. And a lot of times people go, well, why do I care that we're going to space? So to me, this was a chance to give back and explain while the, why this is cool. You know, there, the example I use that is kind of uh, gives a little relevance to it is in the mid 80s, NASCAR was having a problem with their exhaust pipes burning people. Well, Daytona is very close to, to Kennedy and they started talking. The tape that they used to insulate the hot exhaust pipes came as a result of the insulation that they use on the, or used on the external uh, fuel tank from the space shuttle. So this is kind of some of those technologies that trickle down that we don't think of. For us in the AV industry, image compression, you know, for those of us who remember Voyager and its grand tour of the solar system, those images are compressed. But in the mid seventies, they were unbelievably sharp and they still are. And that's come to us. You know, the fact that we have HD video coming from the space station and can dial it up at any point is kind of cool. Now, the other thing that's important to me is AV. I think many of us will know that. It's both my job and my vocation. Uh, you know, obviously, I, you know, it sounds funny. If Craig saw it, I have a whole green screen and studio set up at my house for podcasting and the like. And but one of the things I, I set up for is this endowment funds outreach, especially through audiovisual means and digital media. 
So it's not a, oh, let me, you know, this all goes into the museum. The museum in Washington, D.C. is just an anchor point. This is the fact that they have podcasts that on, I think it's July 28th, they're having a retrospective of the Hubble telescope and having a one hour online lecture about it. Uh, I've actually been working with them and was a beta subject on the idea of docent reach outs via Zoom and getting out of the, the museum, which to me is huge. Uh, the idea of this is why it's cool. This is what's going on. You know, yeah, putting a, a car on Mars is pretty cool because it's on Mars, but the technology to get the car to Mars and the math required and the, this is how we solve this problem. Here's this weight issue and all that, that trickles back to earth is also cool. So to me, that's, that was the big driving force. That's probably a longer answer that you wanted, but I figure give you the details uh, because you know, it's cool to have the details. Absolutely. I appreciate you, you doing that. Um, you mentioned that it was kind of, I don't know, six, seven year process. And, and was that specifically just because you wanted to save a certain amount of money or, or were there, you know, kind of red tape and, you know, things that you had to go through to, to make this an, an official sort of thing? Uh, so the vast majority of it was saving up the money. There is a certain threshold. It's in five figures of what it takes to get a named endowment. Anyone can donate to the Smithsonian. I started donating at $35 a year. As I've gotten more fortunate, it's followed along. But it's not the amount that is key. Yes, I had a threshold to make it named, but it was just, this is what I wanted to do. The red tape itself was, I had one piece of paper to fill out. Uh, the largest thing was, going back and forth with the endowment facility over how to phrase the, uh, the gift. Uh, this is more of the, the process of the endowment. For those who aren't familiar, the way an endowment works versus a donation is the endowment, I give them a chunk of money, they take the interest from that chunk of money forever and ever and it has my name on it, and they use that money the way I see fit. This is how Harvard and MIT and all these other colleges fund stuff if they don't have sports, but that's a whole other political uh, nightmare. So it's a chunk of money, but what you have to do is define what you want to use it for, how you want to use it. So I can define how I want it used right now, as in this is how it works. Well, what happens in 10 years? What happens in 20 years? What happens in 50 years? What happens in 100 years? You know, the Smithsonian is actually named after John Smithsonian, who had a whole bunch of money. And this is hundreds, well, 100 plus years later, and it's still going. And that's my hope with this. But obviously, AV is going to change, technology is going to change all of this. So to, to write the language so that it can move on and get the intent that took probably about two or three weeks. And it was mainly email and stuff. If I could have picked up the phone, but you know, that's so 1970s. Uh, so I have a great team there. Uh, one of the reasons I decided to give to the Smithsonian, and this is a little bit preachy, 
they're, they treated me great when I gave $35 a year and they treat me great when I give this amount of money. It's, they appreciate it. They reach out, they involve me. Other places that I've donated money to are gimme, 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 gimme. This is, okay, here's how we're gonna give back, here's how we're gonna do it. So the vast majority of it was saving up the money. Now, I will point out just because um, overly cautious, at the same time, I have donated over 4,000 meals this year to the local food bank here in Orlando. So it's one of these, yes, it's my primary charity, but I believe in sharing, as I think you've seen with a whole bunch of stuff. You know, AV gives back that George runs is a great thing, but this was in process before. It literally was, it takes a while to save up that much money. Now, with an endowment, um, if the Smithsonian has an, something that they want to use the money for? Do they have to uh, check with you before they do it, or how, how does how does that process work? Nope, that's that was the the red the red tape process. Is I defined what they can use it for. They agreed to that, and that's how it moves forward. So, for instance, you know, I said electronic and digital outreach and and audio video, and they just started YouTube. Uh, reach out sessions almost on a twice a month basis every two weeks. If they want to use the money for that, that's obviously what I've tagged it for. But they can't use it for building a building. That's the building fund. So that's where the endowment, I set the rules forward of what my intent is. Okay. And and I know you mentioned that that you could have done this, you know, kind of when you, when you died or whenever that may be, you know, hopefully many years from now, but um, how, how much do you think it will mean to you to be able to kind of see what the, the money that you're, you're giving will kind of turn into for, you know, for, for what the, the Air and Space Museum does, you know, what, what sort of things that they're able to do as a result of ha having this, this extra donation from, from you? Uh, actually, great question. And it's already put a smile on my face. It's seeing the change. It's the, the fact that they're doing a docent reach out program and, and piloting it. It's not a direct, here's money to do this. It was, they were working on that. I gave money. The two happened to line up together. Uh, but the fact that they're doing outreach and they're telling me what's going on is huge. Uh, it's, I get to see it while I'm alive, which is part of the reason I wanted to do it while I was alive. Uh, it makes me, f I'm going to sound like a sappy old guy, uh, you know, but it makes me feel good to know that some of my fortune or fortunateness or gets to help others. Now for us in AV, I'm willing to bet you almost none of us know how much of that technology of fixing uh, visual artifacts has come down to us in TV or in video of like even just now, but I can tell you it's been huge when you look at it. And to me, that's the big reason is I wanna, I wanna share the joy and I wanna, you know, spark the future. I wanna see how it changes people. You know, Jennifer and I have been talking, you know, what's, what are we gonna do the rest after I'm done working? And I actually am very seriously, probably going to be a docent at the museum because sharing that knowledge to me is a huge thing. And that's the big reason I wanted to do it now, make it 
a better place now, but also share knowledge now.